Welcome to Central Christian Church Online. My name's Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here. And, uh, and as, as of now, we are one church meeting in many rooms all across the Bay Area, all across these United States and around the globe. And from right here in San Jose, we want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas as we kick off our, our brand new Christmas series, A Christmas journey. Well, hey, before we, we jump in, uh, it's been said there are two types of people in this world, uh, two types of people. Uh, one is those who love Christmas music and think it should be played year-round. And there are those who believe that Christmas music should only be played following Thanksgiving. Uh, two types of people in this world. I happen to be in the camp that loves Christmas music. We've been listening to Christmas music uh, for, for weeks now. Uh, my kids have been listening to Christmas music. They know how to call for that on Alexa even. And I think Christmas music is awesome. Uh, but how many of you know Christmas lyrics are often very mis misunderstood? And sometimes some of us uh, very confidently sing the wrong Christmas lyrics to these said Christmas songs. So right now in the chat, I'm gonna share uh, five uh, Christmas songs that are often miscommunicated. If you've been victim of sharing one of these lyrics the wrong way, or you've heard this happen in your family or around uh, your friends, maybe even singing some carols, uh, obviously prior to 2020, um, then, then let us know in the chat. So here's the first one that is very misunderstood. It's from Santa Claus is coming to town. And this one sang very confidently, he's making a list of chicken and rice. <laughs> That's a hungry caroler right there. Uh, check out this next one, a little hungry as well. Oh, bring me some friggin' pudding. I love that. <laughs> no, no, no figgy pudding needed. Just bring me some friggin' tapioca pudding. That's awesome. Uh, from the song, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, here's an e one easy to, to mess up. Uh, all of the other reindeer instead of all of the other reindeer, right? That's, uh, that's one that's easy to mess up. Um, this next one, uh, the fourth one, uh, get dressed, ye merry gentlemen, from, uh, uh, from the popular song. Instead of God rest, ye merry gentlemen, it's like a mom yelling her kids, get dressed, ye merry gentlemen. Uh, that's probably not the way it sounds, in, uh, not in our household at least. Um, the fifth one here uh, from Winter Wonderland. Uh, and here's a confession, like before we go there. Um, I've actually sang these lyrics the wrong way here because it makes sense, people. Um, here's what the, the misquote is. Later on, we'll perspire as we, we drink by, by the fire. I mean, it's logical, right? Like, I mean, you're going to be by a fire. It's natural you're going to perspire. I'm just saying that makes more sense than the actual, actual lyrics. Uh, but often we hear things wrong. Often things are said and we, we, we don't understand what's being said. We perceive things wrong. Therefore, we sing these Christmas songs wrong and we just, uh, we, we get things out of whack a bit. Uh, that's not only true with Christmas lyrics. That's also true in our relationship with God. Uh, hearing from God and taking action is a, is a pivotal part of the Christian life. And uh, I want to share something with you uh, today that maybe it's mind-blowing for some, maybe it seems preposterous to others, uh, but I believe is a foundational biblical truth. And that is that the creator of the universe, the God who, who like hung the stars in place, the God who's outside of time, who will be here whenever time is no 
more. The God who, who, who always has been, always will be, and, and, and knows everything about you. The God who, who like knit you together in your mother's womb. The God who, who is like so big, he spoke and like everything that we know in creation came into existence. That, that God who created the universe, the Bible says that, that he desires to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He desires relationship with you. Wants you to talk to him. Wants, wants to be able to talk to you in return. And I know that sounds preposterous to some, but I would just ask you this question. Like, like what if there's a 1% chance just a one, just 1% chance that that statement is true, that God really does desire to talk to you. If it's just a 1% chance, would it be worth leaning into? Well, well I'm, I'm confident in this Christmas season that there's a 100% chance that God desires to speak to you. And so today we're going to look at the, the journey of this guy by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph was married to Mary, the mother of of Jesus. And one thing that characterizes Joseph's life, like we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. He only appear, appears in the, like the nativity narrative. Uh, the only other time that we see Joseph is uh, with, with Jesus at the temple uh, with Mary. By the time that Jesus actually launches into his, his ministry here on earth with the disciples and, and teaching and miracles and all this awesome things happening, by that time, Joseph is is dead. Uh, but early on in Jesus' life, Joseph is present. I think the one characteristic that we could learn from Joseph's life is that Joseph was a man who heard from God. We see that over and over whenever Joseph is mentioned. And so we're going we're gonna to learn from the life of Joseph how we too can hear God's voice and take action in our Lives. So, so let's jump in. Uh, we're going to jump in by going to the Old Testament first. And uh, there's this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Solomon. And Solomon is known as the wisest man to ever live. Like he was the king of Israel. And he has this conversation with God. And God asks him, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? Like God talks to Solomon. And Solomon's not like, hey, I want a new iPhone 12. He didn't say like, hey, I want a trophy wife. I, I want riches beyond compare. I want this awesome palace. He, he doesn't say, wish for any of those things. Here's Solomon's response when God asked him that question. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And all of Solomon's wisdom, all of his success hinge on this one conversation with God. And here's Solomon's, here's Solomon's wish list. He says, here's what I want, a God listening heart so I can lead your people discern the difference between good and evil. Here, here's my request. Give me a God listening heart. You know, that's my prayer. That's my prayer for myself today. That's my, that's my prayer for you, the central family in this season, in this Christmas season. What greater gift could you receive today than the gift of having a God listening heart? Hearts. You can discern good from evil. You can know which path to take and which one to avoid. You, you can have a God-listening heart because the creator of the universe, he, he desires to speak to you. So I want to give you three characteristics from the life of Joseph, uh, three characteristics of a God-listening heart, three, three things that are true of people who, who hear from heaven on a consistent basis so that we can emulate the life of Joseph and hear from heaven as well. Here's the first one. Uh, the first characteristic of a God listening heart is that a, a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. A listening heart obeys even when it doesn't 
understand. Now, let me just say this, like uh, for, for us, like if our obedience is contingent on our understanding of what God is asking us to do, then we will not apply many of the biblical principles that God has for us. We're gonna miss out on so much of what God has because our, our obedience often is almost always in response to faith. God asks us to do something we don't always understand and faith is required to respond in in obedience. Uh, We'll have very limited obedience if we wait to understand everything that God is asking us to do. And that's certainly true of Joseph because check this out. In Matthew chapter one, verse 18, it's the, the Christmas story and here it is. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Here's our character for today. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just clarify. The marriage process was very different in this day and age than it is in our culture uh, right here, right now. It was, it was Jewish custom that, that there were basically two stages to uh, a Hebrew marriage or a Hebrew wedding. Uh, the first stage was the Kadashen, and this would have been the, the betrothal or the, the engagement as we know it. Uh, the second stage would be the Hapua, the, the marriage ceremony. And, uh, and this is what we, we think of as marriage, but, but it's, it's, it's very different. And so, so at this point in, in Mary and Joseph's life, they've had the Kadashen. And here's what that entails. Uh, it almost was always an arranged marriage. Uh, very seldom did uh, the, the bride or the groom get to choose who they were gonna marry. This was always uh, set up and prearranged by their, their parents. Uh, a contract was made at this point and it, seal, it was sealed with a payment or a mahora is what it was called in, in Hebrew culture. It's basically a dowry or a, a bride price that, that, that Joseph would have paid to Mary's family or Joseph's parents had paid to, to Mary's family. And, and here's why, so that, that Mary's family could now begin preparing for this wedding celebration. And it would have been uh, often a great sum of money, uh, almost as a deposit in case the, the groom decides like, I want to go a different direction and get a divorce. Then the bride and her family would keep, would keep this down payment to cover the expenses of the wedding, wedding preparations. Now, now at this point, the contract was binding. In our culture, it'd be more like going to the courthouse and eloping and just filling out the paperwork at the courthouse. I mean, there's a contract that was made. This is contractually binding. But then after you go to the courthouse, you, you decide to have a public wedding ceremony a year later. That's essentially what is taking place right now in this, in this narrative. And there would typically be about a year's time before the, the second stage of that wedding celebration would take place. It would often go for multiple days. That's why there'd be a large uh, dowry given to the bride's family. Uh, at this time, it's also worth noting as well that Mary is probably around the age of 12 or 13 years old. So, so there's a lot happening here. Uh, this young, young couple, um, a lot of turbulence in their family. And so, so here's what's happening. They, they're, they're engaged to be married. Now, uh-oh, she's pregnant with this baby that the Bible says, she tells Joseph, I'm pregnant with a baby by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.19 says this, that because of her husband, Joseph, uh, her husband was, a, a, was faithful to the law 
And yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It's worth noting that Joseph, this guy who hears from heaven, like he's faithful. He's faithful to honor God. He's faithful to the law. He doesn't just understand what God wants him to do. Like he actually, he actually takes action in these areas. And, and because of that, he's conflicted. Because he's faithful to the law, he knows that now his, his wife is, is pregnant and he knows it's not his. And so he's conflicted. Like, what do I do in this situation? And, uh, and he's a righteous man, a kind man. So he, he conspires to, um, to take some action, but not in the traditional sense. And because he's faithful to the law, he knows what the law requires. And here's what the law says. And Joseph would have known this. Mary would have known this. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 through 24. It says, if a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married, and he sleeps with her. Now, now this person's pledged to be married. That's like Mary is with Joseph. She's pledged. Like this is, this is contractually binding. Uh, so he finds this woman pledged to be married and he sleeps with her. You should put them both out to the gate of the town and stone them both to death. The young woman, because she was in town and did not scream for help. And the man, because he violated another man's wife. There it is. Same, same situation as Mary and Joseph are in, but the Bible, the law says, no, that's your wife. Like you're contractually married to her and now you must purge the evil from among you. And Joseph would have known that because he's a man who understood the law. But Joseph, he could have taken that course of action, but he chose to be gracious. He chose to divorce her quietly. And so he says this, but, but yet Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And I think Joseph just reasoned that while he cared for Mary a whole lot, he couldn't move forward with the marriage. And so he swallows shame. He swallows pride. He, 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 he engulfs disgrace to preserve Mary from experiencing shame just for a few more months. Because eventually the townspeople are gonna know it's a small community where they lived. Eventually, you know, it's hard to hide a pregnancy. It, it, everyone have known that they're engaged. They're looking forward to this big wedding celebration. Whenever Mary shows up pregnant and the wedding ceremony doesn't take place, everyone's gonna know. But Joseph makes up his mind, I'm gonna save Mary from that shame and disgrace for just a few more months and he's going to divorce her quietly. That's when it happens. In Matthew 1, verse 20, it says this, but after he considered all this, check this out, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In a dream. I highlight that word, in a dream, because it's one of the many ways that God chooses to communicate with us. And maybe you've never had God communicate with you in your dream. Maybe you're like, God doesn't talk to me in my dreams. Like, I know how God talks to me. This is how God talks to me. I would just encourage you to not try to put God in that little box because God doesn't stay within our frameworks. Like he can speak to us. He, most of the time he speaks to us through his word. That's the most common way. But sometimes he speaks to us through dreams, sometimes through our friends, sometimes through family members, sometimes through nature. God, he's, he's a God of variety. He's a God of multiple flavors. And when we try to box him in, he just doesn't stay confound to our box. And, and he, sometimes he chooses to speak to us in our dreams. That verse I mentioned earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 3, that conversation that, that, that Solomon has uh, with, with God, it actually takes place in a dream. And so God talked to Solomon in a dream. Here he's talking to Joseph 
in a dream. The first message that as the church is birthed, right? Like Jesus has ascended into heaven. The disciples are there and they're in Jerusalem. And, and Peter steps onto the stage to share the first message of the early church. And part of his message is that God speaks to people in dreams. He quotes the prophet Joel in Acts chapter two, verse 17. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and check this out. Old men are gonna dream dreams. Now I'm certainly not saying that that every dream you dream is a word from the Lord. Uh, I don't think that would be consistent with scripture. I mean, Joseph, over about a five-year period, he has four dreams as God speaks to him in dreams. Uh, I, I don't think it happens every day. I don't think you need to wake up and be like, man, I had this dream about something off the wall. I'm like, oh, obviously that's a word from the Lord. No, you have to weigh it out. You have to discern it. You have to make sure it aligns with God's word, aligns with scripture, but God desires to speak to you. And I'm just submitting to you, perhaps God wants to speak to you in dreams. Uh, it's been crazy not being able to gather here in this room. And, and one of my prayers for you this year has been God speak to your church, speak to them in their dreams. When they're awake, when they're asleep, God saturate with, with them with your presence and speak to people in ways that only you can. And God, he chooses to speak in dreams. So here's this angel Lord, he appears to Joseph in a dream. And he said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's just pause there for a minute because some of you might need the reminder that part of Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us right here, right now, right where you are, right there in that room. God, the creator of the universe, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And part of this relationship of him being with us is that he desires to speak with us. He desires to pour out hope, to pour out faith, to pour out some courage, to pour out perspective, to give you grace to navigate this holiday season, to give you patience with those family members, to give you words to share at just the right time. He is Emmanuel, he is with you, right here, right now, God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary to be his wife. He did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Listen, I'm just saying, a listening heart obeys even when it doesn't understand. Your wife showing up pregnant, knowing it's not your baby, would go over about as well in that culture as it would today. I mean, Joseph didn't understand. It didn't make a whole lot of sense, but, but, but he got a word from the Lord. And what does he do? He says, man, I, this isn't gonna make sense. The townspeople are gonna talk. I'll be a disgrace. I'll be shamed. But God, because you said so, I'll marry Mary. And that's what he does. A listening heart obeys, even when it doesn't understand. And then second thing we learn about from Joseph about a, a having a heart that hears from heaven and obeys is this, that not only that, but, but a listening heart obeys immediately. 
A listening heart obeys immediately. Check this out, Matthew chapter two, verses 13 through 14. It says this, after the wise men were gone, so this is most likely a, a couple years after Jesus' birth at least, so a couple years go by. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Here it is, talking to him again in a dream. And here's what he says, get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Uh, Stay here until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now check this out in verse 14. Don't miss it. That night, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother. I mean, a listening heart obeys immediately. Imagine this. So here you are in your home, dead asleep, and God wakes you up and says, hey, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. Joseph gets that word and he starts, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't wait. Well, in the morning we'll pack up. Well, maybe, maybe this weekend's coming. I got, I got my schedule full. No, immediately that night he got up and he took some action. And I would just submit to you, that the, 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 the quicker we obey, the more we'll hear from heaven. The longer we delay our obedience, the quieter the voice of God will become in our life. I mean, just saying, it's crucial for us to obey immediately. The longer you wait to obey, here's three things that will happen. The longer you wait to obey what you know God has told you, or what you know to be true from his word, three things will happen. Here's the first. The longer you wait to obey, the less sure you are you heard God's voice. Now, how many of you have experienced this, right? Like maybe it's, we're just coming out of our missions weeks, right? Maybe throughout these missions weeks, you know, you felt like, God, I think God just put a number on my heart that I'm supposed to give to help people find and follow Jesus, not only here in the Bay, but beyond. And you, you just sit on that and a couple days go by and you begin to forget about it. Weekend, next weekend comes, you're like, nah, I don't think that was really God speaking. And I'm just saying the longer you wait to obey, the, 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 the more you begin to doubt, the more you begin to talk yourself out of perhaps what the Lord was saying to you in a moment. Second thing, the longer you wait to obey, the softer God's voice gets. The longer we wait to obey, the softer God's voice gets. We see this throughout scripture, but certainly one point that highlights this is found in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Here, here's what's taking place. It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And there were not many visions. At this time, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't very many visions. Why is that? Because the people of God were not listening to the Lord. Eli, the priest and his sons, they were, they were being reckless with the things of God. They knew what God wanted them to do, but they didn't follow his ways. And so as a result, the word of the Lord was rare. There wasn't a whole lot of divine interaction. There wasn't a whole lot, not a whole lot of visions. I'm just saying that that the, the longer we wait to obey, the softer God's voice gets. Uh, I, I, some of you are parents and maybe have grandkids or, or your kids, but, but our kids, I, typically one night a week, we'll do a family movie night. And so we, we, in our house, here's what that looks like. We, we have dinner, we, we have good conversation. It's like, okay, everyone go get in the shower and then come back down. We're gonna pop some popcorn and watch a movie. Inevitably, after dinner, our kids are like, hey, dad, can we wrestle? Hey, dad, let's play catch. Hey, dad, can we go ahead and pop that popcorn? Dad, let's, let's pick out a movie. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what did, dad, what did mom and dad ask you to do? Oh, yeah, go shower. Okay, we'll, we'll go shower, and then, then let's talk about what's coming up next. Now, I'm just saying, some of you, perhaps it's felt like you haven't heard from God for a long time. 
And I would just simply submit to you as your pastor, out of love, what's the last thing that God asked you to do? Go do that thing. And I, I just, I'm willing to bet the voice of the Lord will become louder and louder in your life. It's a good question to ask. What was the last thing I felt God asked me to do? And did I do that thing? Third and final one is the longer you wait to obey, the harder obedience becomes. It's just true, right? The longer you wait to obey, the harder obedience becomes. Case in point, uh, some of you have started following Jesus. Like you've made just a leader in the forgiver of your life, and I think that's awesome. But the Bible's super clear, and if you've tuned in for very long, you've heard me say that your best next step is to go public with your faith and to get baptized. Like you know this, it's not new. But, but the longer you wait to obey, the more you delay, the harder it is to take that step. And so I would just submit to you, if you haven't gone public with your faith and gotten baptized, man, it's your best next step. Don't delay any longer because the longer you delay that decision, the harder and harder it's going to become. Some of you know you need to go to a buddy, maybe a family member and say, you know what, I blew it, I'm sorry. Some of you have been wronged and you know you need to forgive. I'm just saying the longer you delay that decision, the harder obedience becomes. It's just true for all of us. It's true for me. It's true for Joseph. It's true for our lives. And regarding forgiveness, here's why that's an important step to take. I love this quote from David Willis, and it says this, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. And that's my hope. On the other side of your obedience is freedom. Whether that's getting baptized, whether that's trusting God in the area of your finances, whether that's forgiveness, whether that's apologize, whatever God's asking you to do, take that step because on the other side of it is more and more freedom. All right, so, so there it is. The longer we wait to obey, three things are gonna happen. The less uh, sure you are that you heard God's voice, uh, the softer God's voice will become and the harder obedience becomes as well. And I would just submit to you, here's what I'm challenging myself with these days, is hey, if I, if I think I've heard from heaven, if I think God, maybe he said something to me that I should do, I'm just gonna do it. If it's in alignment with God's word, if it's in alignment with his care, I'm just gonna do it. And if I'm wrong, what have I missed? But if I'm right, what have I gained? Let's be obedient, let's hear his voice. Let's, let's, let's obey immediately, just like Joseph. He doesn't delay. That's a characteristic of a, a heart that hears from heaven. And here's the third and final one. A listening heart is constantly in tune with the Lord. A listening heart, it's constantly in tune with the Lord. We see this in Joseph's life. Check this out in Matthew chapter two, verse 19 through 22. It says, when Herod died, here it is again, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And here's what he says, get up. The angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. So months go by. Like, so from the time that, that Joseph first heard from this angel, like before Jesus was born, years have passed. He went to Egypt. Now months have gone by. Angel of the Lord appears to him again and he goes back to the land of Israel. Verse 22, but when he learned that there was a new ruler in Judah, it was Herod's son, Archelaus. And we're gonna talk more about Herod and, and Archelaus in a couple weeks as we, we, we dive into the narrative about these, these wise men and who they are. And I'm super excited for that. But, but Herod was a brutal man. And historians tell us that Archelaus, his son, was, was just as cruel, just as brutal. 
And so naturally it says Joseph was afraid to go there. Then after being warned, here it is again, in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Where the Lord comes to Joseph four different times in dreams, spread out over months, years, which just tells us something about Joseph, that Joseph was constantly in tune with the Lord. Like one word from heaven at one time wasn't enough for him. He continued to press and he continued to be close. He wanted to hear from God and God spoke to him over months and years of time. Not only that, but it it teaches us something about how God communicates to us. Uh, The fact is that God did not tell Joseph the entire narrative all at once. He could have, right? Like sometimes we wish that. Like, Like whenever Joseph got the dream the first time, like to go ahead and marry Mary and called Jesus, Jesus, God could have told him the whole plan. Hey, hey, I want you to marry this girl, call him Jesus, move to Egypt, come back after Herod's dead. His son's gonna step on the throne. He's gonna kill a bunch of people. So you gotta go back to Galilee and here's, here's the plan. Just go run the game plan. But God doesn't operate that way. Here's what I've discovered to be true in my life. Here's what I'm sure many of you have found to be true in your life. And here's what the scriptures seem to refer to, that God doesn't tell us the whole story, but he tells us just enough to take the next step of obedience. He's not gonna illuminate the whole trail. He's just gonna tell you which next step to take. It's actually what what Proverbs says in Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter, to the full light of day. Like, check this out. The path of the righteous, it's not like it's all illuminated at once. It's like the rising sun, like it's just cresting over the hill. You take a little bit more obedience, it gets brighter. A little more obedience, brighter, 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 until the full light of, full light of day. I close with this, this story. Uh, it was right after my family and I had moved to San Jose from Las Vegas. And and speaking of a big step of faith, that was a big, that was a big step. Uh, God certainly didn't show us the full picture of what would take place once we got here. He never told us what would take place in 2020 when we moved. Uh, but it was a big, big step of faith. He just said, hey, go. And so we went. That was a big change, not only for Tiffany and I, but for our kids. And at the time, our baby girl was three years old. And a lot of change was taking place in her life away from grandma and papa, away from friends, away from familiar, away, new home, new, new bedroom. New, it was all new and, and sometimes new is great, sometimes new is a little scary. And for her, it was a little scary at this time. And, and I remember after um, we had read to her and sang her some songs, she, she looked at me and she said, Daddy, Daddy, you stay here with me just a little bit longer, just a little longer, Dad. And I said, okay, absolutely, baby girl, I'll stay here a little longer. And so I, I, I roll over like I'm going to settle in and get a little comfortable here. And her little hands press against my cheeks. She says, no, no, daddy, I need to see your face. I need to see your face. And just seeing my face just brought some comfort, some peace, something familiar in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of an ever-changing season, in the midst of the unknown. And I say that to say this, that hearing from heaven It's less about a rule list. It's less about a rigid religious checklist. Having a listening heart that obeys when it doesn't understand. Having a listening heart that obeys immediately. Having a listening heart that that is continuously in tune with the Lord isn't about a list of rules and do's and don'ts. It's a natural byproduct of an overflow of a heart that says, Daddy, I just want to see your face.
Daddy, I just need to be close to you right now. Daddy, I just want to hear your voice. Daddy, I, I just want to be in your presence. Because here's what we know to be true. I know in your presence there's fullness of joy. I know in your presence there's peace beyond compare. I know if I fix my heart on you, that then you will keep in perfect peace my heart. But, but when everything else is circling around me, you, you bring that into my life. God, I know that if I call out to you, you'll answer. And you're going to tell me great and unsearchable things that I don't know. And I know all those things and all those things are great. But God, my heart just says, I want to be in your presence. I just want to be close to you. All those things flow out of heart that just says, God, I want to see your face. So right now, in this Christmas season, we're going to apply some things from Joseph's life. We're going to come before the Lord and ask God to give us a listening heart. This is going to be a little bit different than we typically close out our, our services here. It might be a little uncomfortable for some, but I would just invite you right here, right now, to close your eyes wherever you are. For those of you here in the room, those of you at home, those of you by yourself, those in a room full of family, wherever you are, I just invite you to close your eyes right where you are. And then I invite you to just simply open up your hands before God, just like you're about to receive a gift. Open up your hands from him, to him. And I wanna invite you to pray this prayer that Solomon prayed in 1 Kings 3, 9. Because all of us wanna have a God-listening heart. So right there where you are, ask God this. God, here's what I want, a God-listening heart, so that I can discern right from wrong, good from evil. God, I want to hear your voice. And God, whatever you say to me, through a dream, through scriptures, through God-honoring people, God, I'm going to do it. Because I don't want to delay obedience any longer. Jesus, in the midst of this Christmas season, we want to hear from you. So right now, Father, as your church has their eyes closed and their hands open, would you pour out the gift of a listening heart? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I know some of you tuning in with us today want to hear from heaven as well, but the fact is that you haven't taken the first step to begin a real relationship with Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that the reason that Jesus came is because we've blown it. Our sin has separated us from God. Because God's a holy God, he can't be in the presence of, of people who have done bad things. But here's the good news. One of the reasons that Jesus came was to bridge that gap for us. Ultimately, Jesus would live. Now, he didn't just, didn't just born and live in a manger and Christmas that we celebrate. That, that all, all, all grew, and he lived a perfect life. And it culminated on the cross where he died a brutal death. And in that moment on the cross, he paid for your penalty, paid, paid my penalty, paid for all the mistakes you would ever make, past, present, and future, to bridge this gap. So it's almost like you're, you're a different person. He, he cloaks you, he covers you with his righteousness in that moment so that now you can have a real relationship with the creator of the universe. You can hear from heaven, you'll become God's child. So if you wanna begin that, that relationship with God, you wanna have your sins forgiven, and you're at a place in your life where you say, you know what? I thought about this. You know what, like I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross 
pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that in my heart. Now today I'm going to confess with my mouth that I'm going to let him call the shots. I'm going to make him the CEO of my life today. Then you're going to receive the best gift you could ever receive. And that's the gift of, of a real relationship with God, the gift of eternal life. The Bible says that can all start right here, right now. It's by faith. Can't earn it. Bible says by grace through faith. You don't have to go through a jump drift through a bunch of hoops. You have to go through a checklist. You just reach out to God through faith right now and he will give you a whole new life. So if that's you, I wanna be my honor just to lead you in a simple prayer to make that commitment to God. You simply say this, say, God, I thank you for coming into our world. But you just stay a baby. You, you lived a perfect life. And I believe God, you died a brutal death for me because I've blown it. I've sinned. And God, I'm asking you to come into my life today to give me a fresh start, to give me a new beginning. I believe that it didn't just end on a cross, but God, you rose again. And Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking you to come alive in me and give me the gift of eternal life, I pray. Thank you for rescuing me. Now, God, fill me with your spirit so I can live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer, that was your commitment to God today, we're, we're celebrating with you. The Bible says that all of heaven like erupts in like this great party over the decision that you just made. And we don't want heaven to have all the fun. So let's whoop it up a little bit in the chat, throw some clapping hands in there. We're celebrating with you. Uh, also would love to connect with you. And so you can simply text us or give us a call, either one at 408-944-5402. 408-944-5402, or you can email us at info at centralsj.org. Uh, we have some resources, a team that would love to connect with you. Uh, just try to help however we can along this spiritual journey. If you have spiritual questions, you're like, hey, uh, I, I think I'm close, but I'm not sure. Like, I got some questions I'd like to ask. Man, we'd, we'd love to help however we can. Text us, give us a call, email us. We're here to help. Now, Speaking of, of God turning his face towards us, I want to just close with this blessing. It's a blessing that the priest would give to the people of God back in the day. And I want to give this blessing to you today. And here's what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May, may he turn his face towards you, be gracious to you and give you his peace.